But I'd also say that the majority of the time, it would be better if you settled down and went through your shot process and stayed conscious through the whole deal. All right. What is up, everybody? We are once again joined by repeat guest, Mr. Dan Staten, my good friend from the great state of Washington, the east side of the state, I'll mention. Going to talk today about something that I think uh, affects a lot of people out there. I know it's affected me at times. I feel like I'm getting better at it, but that's target panic. We're talking archery. We're talking, talking target panic. And we've got Dan here to uh, to break it down for us. So, Dan, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm great. Uh, what an introduction, Mark! Wow. Yeah, that's my Thank radio. For... That's that's my radio voice. You have one. It's incredible. Uh, thanks for having me on. And uh, I don't like to say that word you've said now a couple times. We'll just call it TP. TP. That's what I actually have written. I've got my my four bullet points here, and I, yeah, I got it. I I do have it abbreviated. It's contagious. So TP. Yes. The, 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 yeah, the words that shall not be spoken. I tell you what, man, I mean, a lot of archery, it's upstairs and stuff starts to creep in and you start, start to fix stuff. And is it the gear and is it me? And I mean, it can be a vicious, vicious cycle. Yeah, man. It's almost like, um, when your good buddies call you out of the blue and they're like, Hey, my bow is doing this. But when I do that, what's wrong? Like, you know, diagnose this over the phone. You ever done that to anybody? Oh, you mean when I called you the other day? <laughs> <laughs> Thrown under the bus. Yeah, man. TP is real. And um, I, I do want to say like, so obviously I think uh, there's better subject matter experts than me to talk about TP uh, from the sense that uh, I don't win archery medals and I don't make a living shooting archery competitions per se. But I definitely think I can talk about it as it pertains to actual hunting, because that is something that, you know, I have a lot of experience with and it comes in ebbs and flows. I think everyone would be lying if they didn't acknowledge that we all have some degree of TP uh, at times and in the heat of the moment Mm -hmm. versus, you know, our backyard when it's summer and you're wearing flip flops and man, your groups look pretty good and there's no backpack on. You're not tired. You're not any, there's no stress and uh, everything's good. Um, good news for you is that uh, you're not alone. We're all pretty good in our backyard. Bad news is it's never going to be like that when you're in a tree stand or you got a bugling bull in front of you. Yep. Yep. I mean, you said, you know, you're like, oh, I don't have any you know, archery medals, but you're, you're, you're winning that medal of delicious elk meat on the regular. And that's, that's the medal that I'm after right there. And, and you're talking about, heat of the moment stuff. It's like, sometimes I don't know, do I have target panic or am I just panicking? (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know. I think, um, doing the elk shape camps for five years really like blew me away. I would say the majority of the campers that come through have certain little ticks about their archery process where it's pretty evident they're in a hurry to get rid of that arrow. And, um, that to, to me is probably like the most common fault of TP is like being in a panic or being in like in the moment and knowing like, you just got to get rid of this arrow. I got to get, I just, this is my one opportunity. This is the one shot. And so for sake of argument, 
I would say that there are definite hunting scenarios where that's extremely appropriate to get rid of the arrow. But I'd also say that the majority of the time, it would be better if you settled down and went through your shot process and stayed conscious through the whole deal. So there is a difference. And I think we can eliminate keyboard warriors out there by saying, hey, we understand that there are the times you just got to send her. Sometimes you, know you got to punch it. You know, and that's 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 hunting, right? You know, I mean, and I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying take an irresponsible or a bad shot. That's not that's not you know what I'm saying. But they're, they, as everybody knows who bow hunts, those are very dynamic situations. You work hard for those opportunities, and there are times where, you know, the shot isn't going to be that perfect backyard shot. This year, um, in Idaho, somewhere where you've been with me. We, I was doing a little spring bear hunting, just got home from Alaska, packed my bags, went to Idaho. And, you know, in Alaska, I shot a bear uh, broadside, actually slightly cordon away at 41 yards. His head was down. He was feeding. I got to dial the exact yardage, come to full draw, walk myself through the shot process, got a complete surprise release, great break. Couldn't have walked up and put the arrow any more perfect. Conversely, came to Idaho, found a nice bear, made a stock. I think I had him at 44 and he was broadside, but he also was like, picked me off. He like looked right at me and I was already at full draw. So I was like, all right, dad, just keep pulling, keep pulling, squeeze, pulling. Shot broke, felt amazing. But we filmed this, this bear pretty much almost 180 hard to believe but before the arrow got there and so he dropped like probably eight inches and turned to where the arrow hit his back and then ricocheted off the side of his face because he literally bears are like contortionists mm -hmm. so he could he literally matrixed himself into getting hit twice neither the, with one arrow and no fatal shot whatsoever now this is all hindsight talking. I didn't know that. I thought I smoked him, as they would say on the Outdoor Channel. Smoked him. <laughs> the dude runs away. And my buddy Jake, who's filming, I'm like, he's like, I think you missed. And I'm like, you're absolutely wrong. Did you not hear the bear go? Whoa. Yeah, you're and like, so bro, we, we were both here. Like, I was here where you, apparently you weren't here. Your headphones were on. So we watched the footage. And it looks like the arrow definitely ricocheted off his back. I'm like, we're losing daylight. Start predator calling right now. Because he had a predator call. He was like on it. And Mark, this bear comes out after being shot out of the brush to charge us. Comes to 30. I come to full draw. I can't get a good eth ethical shot. He 180s back in. I look at Jake. I'm like, you got to try one more time. So I scoot up a few more yards to the edge of the bank of an old abandoned logging road. He hits that predator call, which is like a dying rabbit. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The worst, it's a cacophony. It's just like the worst sound it's you've like, ever heard. Just like screaming and crying at the same time. This bear comes out, he emerges out of the bushes and he's coming right towards Jake and I'm between him and Jake and he's at eight yards and I'm like full draw. And I said, bam, kapow. Boom. Like I slammed that trigger mm -hmm. at eight yards. Right. 
So within about a five minute window, I made a beautiful surprise release, bare duck the air. And then five minutes later, here I am punching the trigger. That's a long story. It's a good story. But at the point of that is that it's all situational. So what do you do? What, which way is the right way? And that's where I'm not the one to tell you what to do, but just to make suggestions for the long-term the trajectory of your archery career is to probably lean towards that surprise release, which a lot of professional archers do. For sure. You know, and, and I'm, I mean, I am by no means professional archer. I mean, I'm like, that is something I'm actively trying to get better at. Right. And I'm trying to make better shots, but like in both those situations that you described there, like I'm not really hearing target panic. I'm hearing, Hey, these are conscious decisions that I'm making because I have an acceptable sight picture. Right. Like in one situation, you you had like actually your best sight picture. You execute that shot. You make you executed a good shot. You know your target moved right. The other one, you're at eight yards. You're like, yep, this is good. This is happening fast. This is what I have to do to execute the shot. But it's still a good shot. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So like what, like what is target panic? Like what what's happening there? So to me, target panic is blacking out in a hunting scenario where if you and I were together and I'm calling an elk in for you and you shoot it and I walk up and I ask you what happened and you're like, I don't know. I think I just shot an elk. I'm going to be probably betting you had some target panic in that scenario. You know, you should be able to, I mean, obviously we're all going to get excited. That's why we do it. But to me, Fighting off target panic is fighting off your natural human instinct to go completely subconscious and autopilot and it will bite you in the butt and your group size will explode and the arrow doesn't always go where you want to. Um, Conversely, if you were to able to tell me, dude, he came in slightly cordoned away. He stopped to rake a tree. I I had the pin buried behind his shoulder. I was looking at this specific tuft of hair and I just pulled, pulled and the shot broke and I felt like a good shot. I would be a little more excited Mm -hmm. about recovering this elk. The other in the backyard TP can be a lot of things. And the most common ones I've seen is what I'll probably talk about is guys can't hold on target. Like no matter what they do, they feel like they just, they can't get the pin to stay where they want it and it freaks them out. So they'll develop these pretty tough habits to break where they'll come to full draw, they'll get all anchored and stuff. And then they go to autopilot where they just let the pin kind of come up from the bottom. And once the pin crosses that threshold of where they want that arrow, they on purpose slam the trigger, you know, and the arrow goes off or they'll, they'll do it from the top down. And they're just basically lowering their bow arm until the pin's about where they think they need to be. And then they tell the bow to go off. And I'm here to tell you, archery is weird because there's not an explosion that happens like shooting a rifle or a handgun. But there is an explosion. So like there's a trajectory. There's a thing coming out and um, your muscles are actually holding the energy back. Whereas in a handgun or rifle, there's no energy stored that's in your powder, you know? So 
you know, you can feel all this stuff going on. So that's a little bit nuanced, but I think based on all my time with Joel Turner, shameless plug, my favorite guy to work with when I'm having bouts of TP is just that it's a conscious override of that natural urge to go into autopilot and to get rid of that arrow. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've been there before. And like I said, you know, I'm definitely, you know, working to, to get through some of that. And, uh, you know, a tendency that I know I've had in the past. Um, and I don't know why. I don't I don't know if it was because I wanted to, like, see the air or whatever, but, like, almost, like, lollipopping the target, right? Like, just holding, like, almost, like, right underneath where you want to hit, which I guess, you know, like, so. But, like, lately I'm just like, nope, I want to put my pin on the thing that I want to hit and that's, that's where I want it. So, I mean, that's, that's one thing, I guess, you know, talking about, uh, you know, personal problems there, but that's, that's one thing that I'm working to get better at. What about, um, are there any, are there some other ways that, that, you know, that, that, that it manifests that a person might be like, Oh wait, that's me. Cause I, I wonder if there's a lot of people out there that that they, they have it. They don't even know they have it. It's just the way they shoot. You know what I mean? I can give you an example. There's a guy who um, I know very well, and I was editing a video of his elk hunt for the elk collective. And it was like a director's cut version where we were like kind of going through his elk hunt and having him armchair quarterback himself, which kind of sucks to do. But if we're honest, you know, hindsight's 2020. And he informed me that, you know, he shot a bull, hit it high shoulder. This is a pretty close shot you know, top pin. And, um, you know, he, he kind of blamed it on being off by three yards. He didn't range the exact yardage. He kind of guessed it was 24 yards and he shot it for 28. He didn't mention anything about TP. And when the cameraman who was filming this did such a good job, he set up a second camera in the heat of the moment, just filming the archer. And I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass him. And then the cameraman's filming over the shoulder. Who does that? But anyways, so the guy's got double cameras. And so I could see the footage of the hunter shooting the elk. And of course, I know how to edit a little video. So I put together a little clip for him and sent it to him. And it was like, here's your shot break. And you could see everything's going good. Anchor level going through his steps. And then that pin was probably right where he wanted it. And he was like, I'm take, I'm going to jump to the end. I'm going to skip my pulling process and let this thing break naturally. I got to get rid of this now. And his, he's shooting a thumb and his thumb goes from here. He's not even like touching the trigger and slowly pulling. He goes from a to B like as in boom. And he just jerked the trigger. And I believe if he would have stayed in his process that that I know he wasn't aiming for the high shoulder. I know he wasn't, Mark. Right. He was aiming for probably four or five inches behind the shoulder in the vital V. Um, so to me, that's a pretty good classic example of like, even if you think you, you know, you're doing it right, you might want to have somebody film you, even your film yourself, watch your shot break. Um, and there's been some guys at Elk Shape Camp that were it's just too close to call for me. I can't tell, but Joel Turner watches him. He's like, no, dude, you're that's a that guy's punching the trigger. And he works them through their process. So uh, for archery coaches, it's no problem for them to find. But I don't know about you. I'm not an archery coach. Uh, I'm just a guy who's trying to hunt hard and 
figure this all out. But that's going to be your number one thing is to film and watch yourself, get that visual perspicuity of like how your process is, and then kind of go from there on steps to solidify your shot process and solidify how to stay present and conscious through shooting a bow and arrow. Gotcha. I mean, and and so, I mean, it sounds like to me then like that shot process is like, uh, and staying conscious, like they're interconnected because like that process is going to help you stay conscious. And is that kind of what I'm getting there? Yes. Like when you're driving your truck to work today, did you have to look at the white line and the yellow line the entire time and pay attention and not be able to chew gum or listen to a podcast on your way to work? No. Driving and steering is autonomic, automatic. So is aiming. Aiming is automatic. You don't have to obsess over that. What you should be obsessing over is having a conversation with yourself on going through your shot scripts, shot process, your blueprint, and talking yourself through every part, including the shot execution. Aiming takes care of it yourself. That's not your job. That job's already been done for you. It happens. It's the process of getting that trigger to break on its own without you influencing it which will eventually catch you um, catch up to you. So I guess I should say this disclaimer, guys like um, Kyle Douglas, Tim Gillingham, these are professional archers. They punch the trigger and they're proud of it. You're not Tim Gillingham and I'm not Kyle Douglas. Those guys hold that thing super still and that works for them. However, the majority of people that do punch the trigger have good days but they have bad days as well. And so if you're looking for more con- like continuity over the long term, the long haul, it's probably gravitating towards that surprise release for most people. What what would you say then like what's what's your shot process? Maybe let's let's start there. Like what's what's yours? And I, I would assume that um you know, folks can kind of glean something from that. And and maybe everybody's shot process should be nearly identical. I don't know. My shot process is called the slow blinker. And what that means for me is some of the best archers I've rubbed elbows with, they're just chill. They don't get up. They don't get down. It's like ice runs through their vein nonstop. I covet that. I want that. I'm a pretty like, outspoken, high energy guy. So my shot process is called slow blinker and I'm going to read it to you, but I'm going to add my own like actual heat of the moment. So I'm going to look at the target. I'm going to lock in and I'm going to draw. So I like to look at what I'm going to shoot at while I draw. I have been known in the past to look for some reason, look at my arrow rest while it comes up, maybe out of habit or whatever, So keep your eyes fixed on what it is you're shooting. Um, The next thing for me, and this is in my shot process, is depress the bow arm shoulder. So that left shoulder for me, I'm right-handed when I'm, I don't want that shoulder coming up and I have a tendency to let it come up when I'm fatigued. So just, I've brought it into my shot script is depress the shoulder. And you'll see me do that before I even climb into my anchor or looking through my peep. Once I've done that, Um, I make sure that I have a loose grip that I don't have. I don't like to have any like real fingery contact to the riser. Um, then once I've done that, 
and my nose will touch the string where my nose button is. I stole this from Joel Turner. I tell myself, here I go. And that is my indication. That is like the one word. If I don't say here I go and I'm shooting at an animal, something went wrong. Because that is my like, that is my mantra that tell me to get conscious, to start talking to myself even louder. You know, loading an arrow is pretty subconscious base. You don't really think about it. You do it. It's muscle memory. But the shot process, I'm not going to lean on muscle memory and and automation. I got to talk myself through it. So once I say, here I go, that's my cue. Check the bubble. Look at what I'm hitting. Blur out the pin. And start squeezing and pulling. And I kind of bring back those words. Squeeze it. Keep pulling. Squeeze it. And then how loud and how fast that cadence I'm talking to myself depends on how fast I really feel like that ant, I need to get this shot off. Like if the animal's feeding, looking away, like on that bear in Alaska, I was talking to myself very quietly, keep pulling, keep pulling, and it broke. On that shot on that bear at eight yards, I was like, keep pulling, keep pulling, and it broke faster. So the way you talk to yourself, believe it or not, can kind of speed up that process too. Um, this is deep stuff. So this isn't really surface level. This is like telling your listeners like, Hey, this is a thing. You should check it out. If you're into doing this a long time, here are some resources, find what works best for you. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I've listened to some of Joel's stuff in the past, man. And he seems, he seems, uh, pretty dialed in that regard. And just like, you know, just the whole, like you said, the the process and talking to yourself and everything like that. Um, uh, you know, like one thing that I know he said is, you know, like watch it to keep it. You know what I mean? I feel like that that's something that I've tried to take from him too. It's like, you know, instead of just, you know, going for it, you know, just to like really continue through through that shot. What are some what are some other things that you find that that you see like in your camps as far as um you know, what folks are doing, you know, good or bad to overcome target panic. TP, excuse me. TP, yeah. So um, your your release aid selection should not matter. Okay. Meaning you can shoot an index release in a controlled way. Uh, it takes some adjusting to and some coaching, but there's a proper way to use an index. And so just because if you see somebody with an index doesn't mean, oh, they're a trigger slapper. Not at all. Uh, like I'll give an example of um, like Dan Evans of Option Archery. He used to own Trophy Taker. You guys, you kids look him up. I think he's one of the best elk hunters still alive on the planet. Shoots an index to this day. And when that shot breaks, you'll see that index just dangling right after the shot breaks. And he's just, he's hooked in on his second knuckle in that little spot on his finger. And it's a fixed position. There's no like physical movement. And it's definitely caused by pushing and pulling of his arms and it breaks. And he doesn't have influence on that because it's a, it's a surprise. Uh, so how you set up an index, because I think most people use an index. So getting it set up properly in your wrist, getting the index to be at the right length, um, the right amount of pressure, uh, like you should be able to touch your index and it not go off. It's It shouldn't be a hair trigger like a rifle. It should be something that you can get into, get hooked in nice and well and ride that trigger and be able to stop 
that trigger at any given time. It's almost like you need a speed limit of how you pull and you can go slow enough to stop. Could you stop it? That's one thing that Joel says all the time. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and then the other thing at camps is we see guys who um, will use obviously a hinge or a thumb button, thumb barrel. And those are great releases. Not really going to talk about those. I use a thumb button personally. Um, I've probably shot more elk with an index than anything, but uh, currently in the last three or four years, I've been using a thumb barrel. But the one thing that Joel gets a little uptight about is those tension activated releases where it's all based on how much you pull. And it kind of like, it's kind of like a, a hack or a shortcut with long-term implications. If you get real handy with it to where you can use a tension activated and just pull, 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 pull. And if you pull hard enough, it'll break. And then eventually you kind of figure out how to pull hard enough and when to pull hard enough. And then now you're back to TP again, where you're making it go off when you want to, and then you're flinching a little, and then you'll have good and bad days. And then at some point you might want to quit archery. Then you'll listen to this podcast and then you'll go get these resources and start over again. <laughs> that sounds about right. That sounds about right. You know, and most of the guys that I know, you know, do use, you know, an index, you know, release like, you know, or, or like, you know, oftentimes wrist strap, you know, style release, I guess I, that's, or, um, that's what I've always used. And, but I've used a couple different ones. And, um, the one that I was using prior to the one that I'm using now was like, if you, if you breathe on it, like it would go off, which I guess, which I think, um, promotes slapping the trigger. You know, like, it's like, that's really the only, at least for me, it was kind of like the only option because once, once you were ready to shoot, you were shooting because you weren't going to pull through the shot because the second you got close to that thing, it was going to go off. So, um, which I, I, I guess I could maybe argue if you're going to shoot that way, maybe that's the <laughs> the best way to do it. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, my, uh, the one I have now though, like I can pull through it and, um, I know it's definitely working better for me from, from like an accuracy consistency standpoint. Yep. I do think there's ways to start experimenting with this to see if it's something you want to address. Uh, when Joel came to my house many years ago and coached me, uh, the, one of the first things he had me do, and I'm right-handed is he had me stand on my left leg only and shoot. So once my stance kind of gets manipulated and I don't have that base of support that I'm used to, um, he did that because he wanted my pen to move. He wanted me to let go of the aim because I'm a type A guy and I love to have control and I wanted control of my aim. And he wanted me to flip the script and go back to let go of the aim. You don't need to stare at the white and yellow line when you drive. Aiming can be automatic. You need to spend your control energy on controlling this shot in the release and going through your steps and staying conscious. Another example would be to not forego shooting because it's too windy today, to embrace the high wind days and know that your pin is going to move and that you're going to get practice with being okay with that as long as that you do your job, which is executing a proper shot. 
Now, I just happened to watch an Instagram story of you in a shoot off. And I don't think I saw the end. Did you win again? Uh, I... I guess I did. We've done two rounds, and I did. I did. I have moved on. Yes, at a boy, because the it was really windy. That's why I thought of that. You guys were shooting on some really high winds, and once you kind of get the mindset of, dude, this is awesome. This my shot. My shooting practice hasn't been ruined. This is an opportunity for me to let go of the aim, and work through my processes. That's what I'm talking about, and that's like hopefully the take home message today is to to be excited about that opportunity on their next high windy day or to stand on one leg only and to work through that and, and experiment and tinker and figure out what's going to be best for you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing what, uh, what you're saying there as far like, it's so weird or at least on the surface, like it's weird to hear, like, let go of the aim. Right. You know, but the car analogy is a super good one. Like, you know what I mean? Um, like you said, it's just like you're executing your fundamentals. The rest will take care of itself in in a way. Um, I guess. Well, one thing you know, when we're talking about like super light index triggers before, um, and I guess to maybe draw a parallel, I had a uh, I was shooting a, like a like a precision rifle, you know, like a long range precision rifle, totally Gucci, tricked out. Amazing trigger, amazing adjustable trigger, trigger, uh, but it was actually set so crazy light that uh, I had uh, one of our guys here. Uh, he was coaching me on on some shooting stuff, and he's like, "Man, you just you're not following through. You're not following through. Like you need to start following through." Like, and but um, when he shot the rifle, like he's like, "Let me shoot the rifle," and he's like, "Oh my gosh, this trigger's so light." He's like, "You can't follow through." Right. And I feel like that's what was going on for me with my other release, too. It's like you didn't have the option. Right. Like when it was go time, you're going to touch it and it was going to go. So, um, yeah, I, I like that. And I like uh, I like embracing embracing the windy day and uh, and just like, you know, working on your fundamentals and executing that shot. No, man, it's a it's a journey, Mark. And I'm on it. I'm a student. I don't have this thing figured out, but I rub elbows with some amazing coaches and I try to be a sponge around them so that I can come on your podcast and pretty much butcher it. But all kidding aside, what I've said today is what I've learned from some really good mentors that um, have the resumes to back it up. You know, Joel's son just won world indoor championship, like world Vegas. Uh, The kid's 15 years old and got beat out everybody. And I've shot with Bodie and, he can literally recite all of this stuff that we've talked about because he's been, it's his dad who's been coaching him for all these years. So the proof's in the pudding folks and, um, you know, be willing to evolve in your game because, uh, for, I don't know about you, but I wish I could go back on a few of the shots I've taken throughout my 21 years of archery and maybe be a little more conscious and not black out and figure out how to do it proper. For sure. For sure. Nope. Like you said, man, it's a journey and there's like a lot of great folks out there. I mean, I, I consider you one of them, Dan. Uh, that's, uh, that's why I, I, uh, that's why I call you periodically. That's probably why you can still expect another call here and probably the near future. But, uh, no, it is a journey. And I mean, and that is part of the fun and, you know, you can definitely, the resources are, are so good and there's so much information out there. Hopefully some people can find, uh, you know, some information here 
and uh, that'll help them in their archery journey and uh, hit what you're aiming at so you can put that uh, that elk medal in the freezer, right, Dan? That is the prize. Well, we have our eyes on the prize, man. I'm ready. I'm going to be a better elk hunter this year. I, I know so. Yeah, I'll finish with this because I just spent the last day and a half with um, – the world's most famous bow hunter is what I like to tease him as, but a lot of people have heard of Cameron Haynes. He's yep. a really good friend of mine and he's very unconventional in his training methodology. And he's very unconventional on how he shoots his bow. I mean, he puts his freaking thumb back here and he uses a, a wise guy, which is a index from Spahug. And we were talking about our shot processes and, you know, he's not somebody who has a surprise release. He definitely commands shoots but he also has a pretty impressive elk resume. I don't see him panicking there when we were shooting, we were shooting some pretty long distances the other night. I see him very cool, calm, collective, slow blinker, if you will. And I don't see, I don't think he has a problem with his pen moving and floating a little bit. And his shot break is really natural and smooth and it's not punchy and um, it's not anxious. Uh, yet here's a guy who definitely does not shoot a surprise release and that's what works for him. And so I just like to say that for folks that like, say, this is the only way you can do it. That's not what we, that's not what we've been discussing this entire time. We're talking about best practices that will work for the majority, but there's certainly going to be exceptions and you got to figure out what's going to be best for you. And it's hard to argue. Cameron is lights out. I can tell, I can attest dude can shoot. So you got to skin that cat the way you find proper and, and be coachable. You know, if you're not ready to make a change and be coached, um, then you're not ready yet. And maybe your time will come down the road. Yeah. You, you know, and then if something isn't broke, if it's working, every, you know, if you're doing the same thing every time and it's working every time, you know, I mean, I'd say, uh, I guess to what you're saying, we're just saying, if it ain't broke, maybe don't fix it. But if it's a little broke, maybe be, you know, open, open up to some coaching and learning some new techniques. So, and, uh, yeah, other than that, good luck this archery season. Don't, uh, don't TP. Try not to. It's hard. (laughs) Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, hopefully you found something useful in that, uh, in this conversation. I know I did, like we were talking about earlier, archery is definitely a journey. It's a process. It's a shot process, and uh, keep working at it. Thanks. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. That was good. (laughs) It's all (laughs) shot process these days. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot. Bye. There you have it, folks. Thank you very much for listening. As usual, give this video a like if you liked it. Comment something below, and give us a subscribe to the Vortex Nation podcast channel. It would mean a lot to us. Also, why don't you give us a follow over on Instagram while you're at it, at Vortex Nation Podcast. We'd love to hear from you over there, and we'll keep you updated with all kinds of cool photos and videos from our adventures that we do here. Otherwise, we will see you on the next one. Thank you again. Happy hunting and shooting, everybody. Have a good one.